0: You are listening to the Unapologetically Fueled podcast, where we talk about cultivating food freedom, psychology, gut health, overcoming adversity, hearing inspirational stories, and how to truly live life unapologetically fueled. Welcome back to another episode. I'm literally so excited for this episode. I say that for so many of them, but this one I'm very, very authentic about because it's something I'm super passionate about. And that is, we're going to be talking about faith and running. And I have for my guest today, Jake Lee. He was my coach for um, my very first marathon too. So pretty cool. And I'll have you introduce yourself a little bit more. Sure.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much for the introduction, Sabrina. And, you know, I'm super excited to be on the podcast. And like you mentioned, um, talk about running, talk about faith, talk about goals, all sorts of different stuff with you. So, yeah, my name's Jake Lee. I'm from Fenn, Michigan. Um, I ran at the University of Michigan um, for five years. I was a four-time varsity athlete there. And then thanks to COVID, I had one more year of eligibility. So I spent my final year at GVSU where I was a Division II All-American. Um, I have a bachelor's in economics and a master's in business. Since graduating, I've been working at Total Benefit Systems uh, full-time, which is an independent health insurance agency in Flint. Um, I'm also working down in Rochester Hills at uh, DDR Wealth Advisors and as an administrative assistant. And my third job, which is probably like the one I'm most passionate about, is coaching long-distance runners like Sabrina and all sorts of different people around the state um, ranging from 800 meters all the way up to the marathon. So
2: that's,
0: awesome.
1: that's a little bit me.
0: Yeah. No. Great introduction. You. Um. That he's like a very talented runner. You guys like incredible. So you his times are amazing. Like if you look him up, you'll see. Like truly an amazing runner and an amazing coach too. And yeah, really. You. I could not have run the marathon that I did without his coaching. So of course, if any of you are looking for a coach, you can reach out to Jake, which I'll give his like social media and stuff afterwards but awesome um so what is your running story you're so talented like when did you start and like where did you go with it like just kind of give us the lowdown
1: (laughs) well thank you um i mean i kind of had a very i guess unique experience and also like i don't know i guess humble origin stories if you will but um i was blessed to kind of have a program called crim mileage club in elementary school so i actually started like at a really young age um but what the CRIM is, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, like a festival of races in the Genesee County area. Um, their main event is a 10-mile road race, but they have all sorts of different races throughout the year. Um, and one of the things that the CRIM does is promote, like, healthy wellness and well-being. And so um, one of the ways that they do that is they promote, uh, like, trying to stay active in the elementary schools. So what you could do during um, recess time was you could, you know, Play on the monkey bars you can play basketball with your friends do whatever you want or you could run laps around the playground so i actually started running laps around the playground as early as first grade surprisingly
2: oh my god Um,
1: and this is where i gotta do my like first shout out to mr zimmerman um he was the one who kind of like introduced me to this idea of goal setting at a very early age and i can't remember how the conversation went but he mentioned that like no um elementary school kid had ever run a hundred miles all four years in a row, like first through fourth grade. And so I kind of took that as a challenge and as an initiative to like, kind of be the first to do that. And sure enough, I was. And then when they moved fifth grade down to the elementary school, um, my sister was the first person to be um, to run a hundred miles all five years in a row. Um, So I guess running is kind of in our blood in a sense, along with goal setting, if you will, Um, but Besides running, you know, I did all sorts of different sports as a kid. I did basketball, I did soccer, I did karate for a little bit, gymnastics, hockey, um, baseball, you name it, kind of thing. And one of the mantras that my dad had always had was um, either your sport finds you or you find your sport. And I think, you know, I tried, dabbled in a lot of different things, but eventually running found me kind of early on. Um, but then it really started to develop in middle school was when I really saw my talents start to shine. And so in seventh grade, I heard about a trainer called, um, Mike Scannell. And, you know, I heard that he, you know, previously coached at the Olympic training facility in Colorado, that he was coaching all these like great distance runners around the state. Well, Genesee County specifically. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: so I tried to reach out to him and see if he would coach me to try and bring me up to that next level if you will and initially he rejected me he's like no you're too young like I'm not going to coach someone in seventh grade which I totally understood um, and then eighth grade you know kept pestering him to you know at least give me a shot because previous to this he'd never brought on middle So it was always high school and up and he's like sure let's have an interview so that was like kind of intimidating to to do as a middle schooler you know like have a job interview which is usually like a high schooler um college thing but in the interview we talked about um you know like what were my long-term goals with running and Mm -hmm. just sports in general but not also about that but like what were my goals academically Mm -hmm. what were my goals outside of the classroom like in the community like how can I make a greater impact on the people around me
2: Mm -hmm.
1: so it was really like kind of interesting to think about especially at that young of an age and long story short Mike took me on and From there, I just continued to flourish under him. Um, I was our number one runner eighth grade year. And then ninth grade year, I was second behind um, an all-state runner, Max Creza. He was the number one guy. And then sophomore year, you know, continued to get better and stronger. Junior year, got a little bit nicked up, um, dealt with injury for the first time, which was humbling. And, you know, how would I overcome those setbacks that I had? Mm-hmm. And by track season, finally started to bounce back, got the attention of Michigan, Michigan State, all these like local colleges around the area. And then senior year took only one visit to Michigan, took a couple of unofficials, but took one official visit to Michigan and decided right then and there, that's where I wanted to go. Even though I was I would have been a fourth generation Spartan if I would have gone to MSU. Um uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, had to stray away from the family tradition a little bit. That's but amazing. my sister's pulling the torch, which is good. Um,
2: cool.
1: Yeah. So that's a little bit about high school, I guess. And for Mike, he's kind of like the foundation for my training as a coach, where it's down to a science. Like, he kind of taught me about the lactic acid curve, if you will, of, you know, like, these are speed workouts. Where we're building up a lot of lactic acid. These are meant for the end of the season temple runs are like kind of this in between where we start to build up that lactic acid but we're not quite reading that reaching that point and then easy runs base days as the main core if you will
2: mm-hmm.
1: so mike was kind of my foundation when it come to my personal philosophies and training um and then you know went to michigan had really good success there initially i redshirted just because you know most people redshirt they're not going to start right away mm-hmm. uh because, you know, everyone is an All-Stater. Everyone's a state champion when you walk onto that that team. But sophomore year, started to break out. Almost made the varsity lineup in cross country, but finally did an indoor track where I ran 14-15 um, in the 5K. So, yeah. That's
0: insane. That's amazing. Like, I cannot even wrap my head around that anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helped a lot with. I guess my upbringing with Mike and also with Sully, like he, they prepped me well to be able to run that, and it was a perfect race to run it too. Um, Ben Flan again,
0: you put in the work. You're yeah, it was incredible.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, it's you know sometimes when you're in those long training blocks of seventy to eighty mile weeks, you think like, gosh, like you know why why am I doing this? What's the purpose of doing this? But then when you step off the track and you look back and you're like, wow, I just ran that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's
1: the the reason, Oh, of
0: it, For sure.
1: Yep, it all culminates in that moment. Probably, you know, kind of similar to you with, um, the Bayshore Marathon as well. Like, you know, can we hit three thirty? Can we hit three thirty? And then, you know, far exceeding that, like, yeah, the aha moment, if you will.
0: Cool. Yeah, <laughs> best moment ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then junior year, kind of similar to um high school, and we can dive deeper into this if you want to as well, but. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of had a setback year as well. Yeah. Um, dealt, dealt with the flu, dealt with Achilles problems, strained my quad, all sorts of little nick-ups, if you will. Never had like a really serious injury, thankfully. Like never had a stress fracture, but mm-hmm. had a lot of things that would send me out, you know, four days, mm-hmm. a week, two weeks kind of thing. Um, junior year was definitely the worst. That one sent me back six weeks. And it was kind of a dumb story, to be honest. But I yeah. was working up for uh Fulakar Midwest, uh-huh. which is like the, the regional race for for nationals. Yep. And we were goofing off. We weren't paying attention. I was running with my club teammates. And uh, the night before, it was like, it sleeted. So the entire ground was like pretty much ice. And we were running down this hill. I was joking around with my buddy named JV. And I turned back. And like, you know, those scenes in the movies were like, you hit the banana pill and you just like fall head over heels that's exactly what happened i landed sideways on a rock like right on my back oh oh my goodness like that hurt like no other i was slow to get up i tried to run around but just like not very mobile in the lower back at all and i remember going up to mike and i'm like i don't know if i can run this and you know mike was never the guy to tell you to do one thing or another he wanted it to be your choice, if you will. So his only comment was like, you know, it's entirely up to you. You're already here. So just, you know, your, your call, if you will. So I kind of thought about it and what ran in my head was like, well, I'm already here. It's the last race of the season. Let's just do it kind of thing. Yeah. And I did it still went decent. I think I ran like 16 mid, um, which is good, but that's not going to qualify you for, mm-hmm. for nationals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I wish I didn't because as soon as I got done, my back just was spasming the entire car ride home. I was just stiff, like just trying to stand up straight kind of thing. And, uh, did some PT took six weeks off completely, no running. Um, but eventually, eventually built back up into fitness by outdoor season.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds really tough.
1: Yeah. But I mean, I knew it was a process back and, you know, luckily I had really really good teammates to kind of push me and motivate me forward. And, Initially, that first month was very frustrating. Get back into shape, but eventually, I think by March, I was pretty much back to a hundred percent. That's cool. And by May, I pr'd in the two mile. Wow. Uh, in the pouring rain, too, which was wild. But yeah, that was that was, I guess, another story too. At outdoor states, I was poised to make all state for the first time, and um, with eight hundred to go. I was closing in on my training partner, Nick Schmidt, and I got clipped from behind. So I fell again, like head over heels kind of thing. And But this time I landed on the track. And so I tried to like roll over onto the infield to kind of get away from traffic. And as I was doing so, I just like rolled over like on the inside of lane one. And all I could see was people trying to jump over me to like avoid me. Mm-hmm. And then one guy just was like, didn't jump quite far enough and he nailed me right in the head he spiked me like right on the side and so I was just dazed and confused maybe had a concussion I have no idea oh my but gosh. got back up finished the race ran 9 30 which wasn't what I wanted. so the next week we lined up again in Chicago pouring rain but ran a 918 to PR so
0: oh my gosh well look at you very resilient. <laughs> Yeah. All sorts of adversity. Wow. And now you're an incredible runner and a marathoner and amazing. So you're also a Christian and you were, I mean, you have a, such a strong relationship with God. Um, has it always been this way? And then also like, how has your sport impacted your relationship with God? And like, how have you kind of like, how have those things gone hand in hand in your life?
1: Oh goodness. Am I might, work in reverse order, if that's okay. I so love like, that. <laughs> So I guess kind of going back to the setback of getting tripped at, you know, outdoor States yeah. to then next week, being able to line up in the pouring rain and running a PR. I think that kind of relates to the idea of like praying for opportunities rather than specific outcomes or like, you know, if God doesn't open a certain door for you, that's okay because there's something else down the road.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
1: um, I think that, you know, it's very hard to, and I, I think I posted about this on Instagrams a couple of times to pray for specific outcomes to happen, but I think it's very easy to pray for opportunities to lead to the outcome that you desire. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, but going back to your original question, um, I was fortunate enough to be born in a Christian household. Um, I was baptized at a very young age down in uh, First Press, down in Howell. We lived there for about five or six years before we moved to Fenn. Mm -hmm. And when we did move to Fenn, we continued to kind of commute over to that church just because we loved the pastor. We loved the community down there so much. Like I remember even like, I think I was about eight or 10 or maybe even 12 when we still did vacation Bible school down over and, and how we would would make the track 25 minutes, (laughs) Um, but eventually, you know, I reached an age where sports very much dominated my life kind of thing, where, you know, it took up a majority of the time on the weekends of traveling for the next soccer match or the basketball game or, you know, a baseball tournament or even, you know, track meets in high school. And so I felt like I kind of put my relationship with God on the shelf for a long period of time, unfortunately, but, you know, thankfully he never left me and never abandoned that. He never abandoned me during that time. Never does. No. And it's funny because when I think it was either senior year of high school or freshman year of college, we attended the rock, which is the church we now go to. Mm -hmm. um, and, And, it was a Christmas sermon, but this Christmas sermon was a little bit different. Like, yes, we, you know, we sang, you know, the classic songs and, you know, Silent Night at the end with the the candles and stuff like that. But the sermon itself was more about uh, the parable in Matthew twenty,
2: mm-hmm. about
1: like the the parable of the vineyard, if you will. And that kind of resonated with me because he talked about how you know Jesus continued to call people into the vineyard to work the field, and you know it didn't matter when they showed up necessarily throughout the day, what matters they were that they showed up, if you will. And so I felt like I had been called at a very early age to kind of practice my faith, put it into action, but you know, never really took it seriously until late high school, or early college, if you will. Yeah. But thankfully I did find um a small group at Michigan, um, led through athletes in action. Um, led by an amazing group of guys. Uh, Austin Bonoit originally led it, um, and then Kevin Hall after him. And they were just, you know, constantly encouraging me to like, hey, you know, come to church with me after long run or, or, you know, let's, you know, do long run, go to church, and then we'll go get Benny's for breakfast after kind of thing. And their small groups were very informative. You know, we dived super deep into our faith. We tried, you know, going out of our way to, act on our faith as as well, like kind of in James, you know, how it talks about um, faith without works is dead, you know, doing Operation Christmas Child, doing as much free time as we had, giving back to the people around us, if you will. Um, Not because that earns us into heaven necessarily, but it's a way for us to show thanks for the grace that God gives us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, I guess, you know, started out in the faith, kind of lost it a little bit during elementary and middle school era and then finally brought it back to where now I feel like it's been my relationship with Christ has been the strongest it's ever been.
0: That's incredible. And that's like cool how you've gone through those periods of like almost like spiritual dryness and like you've been able to come back to God and that like you recognize that He doesn't leave you even in those times of like spiritual dryness per se. Um and that's that's mm-hmm. cool. So was there like I mean, you mentioned the story of like tripping and everything, but like, was there a light bulb moment when you knew that God was working through your sport to bring him glory? So like, how do you, like, what are some ways that you bring God glory through your running? And like, I guess, like, what are some like tangible ways about that?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, I think and this might be a question later on, but I know the running community does a great job of giving thanks and giving the glory back to him.
2: Mm-hmm. And so.
1: It's due, like, it was actually really exciting to watch NCAA Nationals um, a couple weeks ago where so many sprinters immediately after they won the championship, like, they didn't, they could have, you know, just said, you know, this is all me, this is all my work. But instead, they just gave the praise immediately back to him, which was super, you know, great to see.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, So I think that's the best way to show thanks is like, if you accomplish something monumental and huge, you kind of have two roads you can take. Mm Mm-hmm. There's a prideful path of like, you know, look at me. I did this, if you will. Mm -hmm. Or the other option is staying humble and being like, you know, glory be to God for giving me the opportunity to accomplish this amazing feat, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if there'd be a light bulb moment necessarily. I mean, I think I really started growing my faith the most my fifth and sixth years, fifth year in Michigan, and then sixth year um, in Grand Valley, ironically, kind of during COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess if there would be a light bulb moment, it would be my first mission trip that I went on um, down to St. Thomas. Because oh, cool. prior to this, like, I kind of struggled with the idea of, you know, can you earn your way to heaven or can can you not? Like the, the concept of grace, if you will. But luckily during that whole mission trip, that's all that we talked about. The whole theme of the mission trip was, was grace. So we just dived heavily into that with verses in scripture and stuff. Um, and so that's when I realized like you can't necessarily earn your way into heaven, Mm -hmm. but you know, your deep good deeds are what show your faith. If that makes sense.
2: Yeah.
1: Hence, you know, the whole point of the the mission trip is, as a way of saying thanks. Um, and so that kind of led me into really getting involved in, uh, Grace Bible Church down in Ann Arbor, attending almost every single day. Or not every single day, sorry, every week. Um, every now and then I'd change churches just to see if I liked it better. But Grace was where I really found home. Um, made some amazing friends in my master's programs who were also like a minded in me. Actually, that's kind of how it started was um it was an election year, 2020,
2: 2020,
1: right? Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, in my marketing class, there's a guy named Josh Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and well, actually the professor kind of kicked off the conversation of like, all right, let's talk about last night. And I'm like, let's not kind of thing. Like, I don't, I really don't want to go through the election regardless if you're red or blue or where you lean kind of thing. But you know, he kind of kicked off the conversation. You know, some people were obviously right-leaning some people were left-leaning and giving their two cents on the subject. And Josh kind of stood up and he's like, you know, I just want everyone to know, like, I'm a Christian. And it's just very sad to see how divided we are as a people and as a nation. That's all I have to say about it. I'm like, dude, that was like, perfectly well said. He's like, thanks. Like, you want to come to grace with me on Sunday? I'm like, absolutely. Let's do it kind of thing. So that's how we kind of kindled our friendship, if you will.
0: That's so cool. That's a God thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, and I'm glad, you know, I was, he said that for one, having the courage to, to kind of speak out because I, I'm very shy when it comes to speaking in class, like, you know, kudos to Josh for like kind of standing up and saying that. But at the same time, I'm glad that I texted him because if I wouldn't have texted him, then, you know, we wouldn't have become friends potentially.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but then in the winter, you know, started to develop my faith a little bit more. And it's funny because that winter I went through probably, I wouldn't say the roughest patch, but went through kind of a relatively rough patch mentally Um, because I got COVID. I was put in isolation,
2: Mm.
1: not really, you know, knowing what's going to happen next. It was kind of my fault. Like, you know, I was with people watching The Bachelor, ironically, I and-
0: love the bachelor and bachelorette. It's my, anyway,
1: <laughs> sorry. No, you're good.
0: Hold on, episode. Okay. Anyway. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we can definitely talk about that. You know, um, it's funny. We actually had a uh, fantasy bachelorette league in Michigan, but that's a story for another day.
0: You're t- kidding. I need to hear this ASAP anyway.
1: <laughs> we can talk about that. We can stray from the path if you want.
0: I love it. Okay, wait, wait no. Let's say, we'll stay on the path of uh, God for this episode. And then we'll talk about bachelorette. bachelorette for that.
2: Okay. <laughs> but I need good.
0: to hear it when, when this episode is done.
2: <laughs> yeah. Done
1: deal. But anyways, long story short, got COVID, mm-hmm. uh, you know, felt like, felt extremely guilty because I felt like, you know, it was my fault for putting myself in that situation. And for really like kind of letting my team down because, you know, they needed me. I was one of our starters kind of thing. And, you know, if we were going to have a shot across, like I needed to be at my best and to help contribute for the team. So I I wasn't only impacting myself, but I was hurting the people I loved around me.
2: Mm -hmm. So that just
1: made me feel not only guilty, but just like very cruddy on the inside, I guess is the best way to say. But, you know, during those cruddy moments, like you, once again, you have two options at all times. Like, am I going to have a positive mental attitude about this or am I going to have a negative mental attitude? So instead of you know feeling sorry for myself, being like, wow, this sucks being in COVID, I was like, well, there's nothing I can do about this. Like, I can't change the outcome, I can't change the situation I'm in right now, the environment I'm in, but I can change my perception around it. So I'm just gonna use this isolation point as an opportunity to just work my butt off. Mm-hmm. So yeah. instead of probably taking a little bit of rest because I did have you know kind of mild symptoms from COVID. Um, I just pounded the pavement super hard. I was doing eight mile tempo runs on the treadmill. I go outside in the freezing winter in January to do hill repeats up the hill, yeah. in my neighborhood just tried to stay in super good shape so that when I did come back, like I would have an impact. Yeah. And, and, you know, thankfully came back, got the EKG test, did all this, you know, hoops. I had to jump through for university protocol. And they said, you know, your heart looks good. You're ready to go you can start training with the team, you know, after 3 weeks of not seeing them.
2: Yeah. And,
1: you know, did a couple workouts with them. Felt like I didn't really skip a beat even though I, you know, hadn't been doing the training I probably needed at that time cuz I probably needed a little bit more speed work. Um, but they threw me in the 5k and the slow heat just to see what I could do. And um prior to this, my PR was still 14:15 mm-hmm. from what I ran sophomore. year. I was just stuck at a plateau it felt like, but, you know, I lined up, I didn't worry about the clock. I didn't, you know, worry about what was going on. My only concern was, Hey, you know, like God gave me an opportunity to run great today for one
2: mm-hmm.
1: and two, this, is an opportunity to kind of give back to my teammates that I felt like I left down pre- previously. And, you know, I just missed not scoring, but I did start off the track. With a twenty-second PR, that's and incredible. I almost got some points for the team, so that's yeah. everything that I could have asked for, and so much more. I ended up running thirteen fifty-six
0: for the five. Incredible, final. and that's like such like a I. It's just like a testament to like saying that like yes you went through something that was out of your control and like how god works everything together for our good it's so evident in that like he used that for good and he used that to bring him glory and it showed that like because you were so reliant on god during that season he brought goodness out of that versus if you would have had ruminated about your situation and kind of said like god i'm like i'm angry at you and i don't want to trust you right now and like you hadn't have done that then it wouldn't have I don't think it would have been the same outcome. And so it just really goes to show like putting your trust in God during those downs, like times in your life, like is really going to produce fruit of the spirit and of what God wants for your life. So that's really, that's a great story.
1: Well, thank you. And I, it's funny. I took a a coaching class actually in Michigan and a guy, I think it was the rolling coach in Michigan summed it up well too. Um, he wrote an equation on the board that said E plus R equals O. And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Like, what is the E? What is the R? What is the O? So E is the event.
2: Uh-huh.
1: And this could be a good or bad event, if you will. Like, you know, you have a baseball game and it's raining outside, uh-huh. but R is your response to that event, whether it be good or bad. And that will be the outcome, which is O. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that. E plus R equals O. That's beautiful. <laughs> and that's what we tell a lot of like, when I see clients and patients and stuff um, with dealing with psychological stuff going on, and we always say like, you know, you can't control your situations oftentimes, like your life is really out of your control, but what is in your control is your response to it. And that's always going to be the biggest um determinant of what happens.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's fun. Oh, go ahead.
0: I'm so so sorry. What were you going to (laughs) say?
1: No, I I was just going to say that's like, I feel like my, I wouldn't say biggest fear, but like, I like to be in control when it comes to the outcomes. But it's funny because that's just not the case at all times.
0: Yeah, you know, for sure.
1: I was in control at all times. You just have to, you know, trust his plan and trust the process, if you will.
0: Yeah retweet I'm very much the same I feel like it's kind of a runner thing like we like to be in control and that's why we run is because we have that sense of control you know over your pace over your outcome but in a sense you're it's really not in your control when it comes down to it like you can put in all the training but like really your body is going to have physical limits based on your genetics and stuff and just based on everything and like even that's what I prepared my mind for too when like running my marathon I'm like I put in like 20 weeks of just grueling work for this and it's like and my results I mean based on my training I should I should run this time but at the same time I was like and the marathon it literally anything can happen and there are so many uncontrollables and that's like true in life is that like you can do all of the work you can do everything but like there's so many uncontrollables that may impact how you perform like it's, and so like, you really have to, you know, prepare for what's the worst possible outcome what's the best possible outcome and how are you going to cope with those? And so like, I even like planned ahead. I'm like, I'm running up. I'm like, okay, if I DNF this thing, how am I going to cope? It's just like, just yeah. like in life. It's like, okay, if something goes terribly wrong, how are you going to cope? <laughs> and like, how sure. is God going to work through that?
1: <laughs> yep, exactly. Even during those tough moments, you just got to keep your head above water because I mean, everyone will have them in some capacity. Like
2: yeah. I've
1: had incredible races like that, running 1356 off of, yeah. you know, I thought very base training.
2: Yeah.
1: Also, you know, felt like I was in the best shape of my life and then DNF, like you mentioned. So mm-hmm. you just gotta kinda stay steady and just roll with the punches that, you know, life kinda kinda has with you.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So how common is being a Christian in the running community? I know we talked a little bit about, you know, like sprinters showing honor to God. And I know that it's, there are some athletes that are very vocal about their faith, but I guess like in your experience with being like a college athlete, how, how common has it been?
1: Um, I think it's been a lot more common over time. Like Mm -hmm. it felt like at Fenn that there originally when I was in high school, that You know, there are some people who are Christian. In fact, one of our coaches was a pastor, um, Coach Nate. Um, But it felt like there's no group, if you will, that tried to come together and really have a Bible study or do stuff as a a group. Um, You know, I can be partially one to blame for that, for not trying to lead and establish that, because, you know, I was a captain for three years after all. I should have been one to kind of take initiative. Um, But then when I got to Michigan you know, kind of immediately I kind of found the guys, the group who I wanted to be around. Um, and, you know, there's a solid core group of us and it seemed to only grow as time got on. And as I met more of uh, at the community through Athletes in Action, kind of seeing other people in other sports. And then when I went to GV, then it really took me by shock. Like the vast amount of community there. Um, our Bible study group went from, I think about six to 10 at Michigan, weekly on average to you know 20 to 40 at michigan or sorry at gvsu um i think that partially has to do with the well too so they have probably as you know i don't know if you've talked about this on a podcast previously
0: yeah i have been there and it's so it's a such a great service and i've chatted about it a bit
1: mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. ben post is a wonderful pastor has a ton of wonderful sermons that you can find online. Um, he was the one actually on my mission trip to St. Thomas, um, that really helped kind of blossom my faith even further. Wow. Um, wonderful, wonderful guy. Um, so at GV, we had kind of like our athletes Bible study. I believe it was on Wednesdays, if I remember correctly. And then there's another Bible study that we did a, a younger guy. He was actually a freshman on the team, was the leader of the Bible study led through the well as well. Um, and so I feel like over time, Christianity in the running community is only growing, if you will. Uh I mean, that's been my perspective. I know other people have had, you know, other, other perspectives on it. Um, but yeah, I think that they're very welcoming, you know, even other runners who aren't necessarily Christian are very, you know, welcoming and understanding of my faith, if you will. Um, yeah, I guess I don't.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And like, have you ever experienced any sort of like ostrac- ostracization ostracized? Yeah, <laughs> I mean ostracized or um, like, I guess, made fun of for being a Christian in the running community? Or has it been kind of smooth sailing?
1: I wouldn't say be made fun of. But you know, as you get deeper in faith, I think people realize, you know, as you change, like your constant, your life is always under construction, if you will. Mm -hmm. And as you change, your interests are going to not align anymore with other people who once were your friends Mm -hmm. of the world kind of thing. You're either with God or you're with the world. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of a black and white person as you can kind of tell something like or the other kind
0: of thing. For sure. For sure. Um,
1: And so, you know, I've definitely lost friendships because of that, unfortunately. Um, you know, even some people who are best friends and, you know, we ended on terms that, you know, I regret, I kind of showed my wrath a little bit when I should have been more, um, you know, compassionate and understanding and patient. Um, But that, that does happen. And that's very common. As you get deeper in your faith, you start to not hang around the same people that you used to. You, you know, just don't want to be around sin in that kind of life. You want to hang out with people who are like-minded with you and who want to spread the gospel and, you know, talk about God, talk about the important things. Um, You don't want to fill yourself with negativity and, you know, opportunities to go down the wrong path, if you will. Yeah. You know, we're, you know, I stray from the path all the time, but, you know, by the grace of God, you know, I continue to just try and stay on the right path as much as possible. Um, But yeah, I I definitely have been ostracized by, you know, some people I wouldn't say on the team necessarily, but people I used to hang around with that I don't anymore. Friends Mm -hmm. from high school, friends from college, et cetera.
0: Yeah, and I think it's really, like, great of you, too, that you kind of recognize, like, the differences in your values and how, like, there are certain people that maybe they say that they're of God, but they really are acting as if they're of the world, and I think that's important that you're very, I mean... That you're choosing friends that are going to like bring you closer to Christ and not necessarily, you know, away from him. Because it is, I mean, party culture is a huge thing in the athletic community, regardless of your sport. And it's um, really important to stay true to your values and who you are. So, yeah, I think that's very important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not be afraid to call out your friends who say they are Christian. Be like, hey, dude, like I'm trying to hold you accountable here. And you're not doing things that are Christ-like, if you will. And, you know, don't do it in a mean way. Don't be doing a condescending way. But you also, when you do that, you have to come from a place where, you know, you are that person who stays in, who doesn't get belligerent with alcohol, who, you know, is kind, compassionate, has fruits of the spirit, like you mentioned, you know, love, peace, joy, all that kind of stuff. If you're someone who's wrathful, who's envious, who's prideful, like they're not going to trust you and they're not going to listen to you. So you have to first, you have to first come to a place where you have fruits of the spirit. And then once you are in that place and, you know, I've had people on the other end of my life kind of too be like, Hey, you know, you need to show more works. It's great that you're just going to Bible study and you're kind of, you know, going through the motions, but like, Hey, let's go do some stuff kind of thing. Let's put it to action. Um, But anyways, yeah. First you need to establish your own relationship with Christ develop the fruits of the spirit and then from there become a leader yeah. and you know spread the gospel as we're called at the end of Matthew.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, now kind of going into some like more specific questions related to like God and running and stuff. What do you think God's purpose was when he created the sport of running? It's like such a, you know, it's just such a random sport. You know, you put one foot in front of the other. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, (laughs) from a practical sense, you know, know. (laughs) (laughs) but um, I guess from a godly sense, you know, like kind of show the limits of man, if you will, like what we think is possible, like achieving the impossible. Um, who I'm now I'm drawing a blank on who ran the first sub four mile is it Sir Roger Bannister? I believe, but like you know, running. Yeah, running a sub four mile for the first time, like oh, that's impossible. And now high schoolers are doing it, no problem.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: Or you know, running a sub two hour marathon, impossible. There's no way. Mm-hmm. And Elliot Kipchoge pushing, continuing to push the limits mm-hmm. of what is possible and what's not. Um, there's another quote that I love. I'm gonna try and pull it up if I can.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Steve Prefontaine. I don't know if he was Christian or not. But I think this kind of, I think God works in the beauty of things a lot of times, like through the way that he just makes nature Mm -hmm. and, you know, the abilities of some humans to do these crazy, limitless things. So Priest said, some people create with words or with music or with a brush and paints. I like to make something beautiful when I run. I like to make people stop and say, I've never seen anyone run like that before. It's more than just a race, it's a style. It's doing something better than anyone else. It's being creative.
2: That's cool. Um,
1: so I feel like even for those people who aren't necessarily, you know, Olympians or ath, you know, collegiate athletes, people are still looking up to you in some sense. Mm-hmm. And people will find something you do in this life creative and beautiful. And so you gotta find whatever that talent may be, and you know as Colossians three 23 says, like, you know, work not for man, but work for God kind of thing, do it for, for God. And then that is your greater purpose. If you were, will, that's your greater goal to yeah. make something just, yeah. Kind of beautiful. And yeah.
0: Yeah. I love that. And it really, it does all come down to, you know, honoring God and like he made it for a reason and he made it, I think to show that like, the things that we think are impossible are not impossible with God with like, you have to rely on God for it. And that's like, I think what carries so many people through and that's like what brings him glory. And that's his whole purpose of it, because it is such a grueling sport and it causes so much pain. And it's like, you really can't get through that pain without God and without having that like higher power with you. So I think that's, yeah, I think that's really important. It's Um, funny. oh, Oh, sorry. Sorry.
2: There
1: you can go. <laughs> um, one of I mean we have a lot of Lee family sayings and mantras, but one of the things that um my dad admired that he would say to us as he's going off to work, or you know, we would say to him as we're going off to school is make each and every day your masterpiece. And so that's like kind of like on if you come to our home, like that's plastered like right above the the doorway. I
2: love and
1: I think it's very true that like you know, some days are better than others, but it's still an opportunity to make a masterpiece regardless of the canvas that you're painting on during the day.
0: I love that. That's super cool. Just like, yeah, God made a masterpiece of us. And so we're supposed to make masterpieces of the life he gave us, even if it's broken and hard. I love that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Cause life is hard and you know, you might not have <laughs> going off of like the hypothetical of painting like you might not have the right brushes or you might not have all the paints you need but you can still make something beautiful out of it too. Yeah. And that's the best part about life.
0: You really can. It's it's really cool. How do you see like the sport of running almost being like a symbol of what God has done for us? I know it's kind of a deep question, rhetorical question, but it's kind of a I don't know, it's like deep if you think about it. It's a shower thought.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean like that's hard to fathom. Like yeah. you know, Christ literally dying for us knowing that, you know, we constantly stray from him all the time by the same time, like he still pursues that so deeply.
2: Ah.
1: Um, I feel um, like with the sport of running, it's yeah. Kind of showing his wonder and his grace, if you will. But I'd say it's more so saying, look, look what I've given you the gift to run. Like mm-hmm. some people, for example, I would go to, to Mott's um, Children's Hospital every now and then and at Michigan, and some of the kids just couldn't even practice that simple gift, that mm. take for granted. Mm. And It's hard to kind of get in that zone when you're running and you're hurting really, really bad. But if you can think about like, I know so-and-so who has a heart condition or who just had surgery or who doesn't have legs who would just kill to have the opportunity to the gift of running. That's why you should, you know, cherish it even more because yeah. it's a gift from God.
0: It really is. It really is. And like we are called to be like Christ and take up our crosses. And I mean, taking up your cross is hard work. And it's mm-hmm. if you're called to run and if you're given this gift to run, like you should, it cherish it, it. Yeah, you should cherish it. You should do it for people who can't run and it's just like and bring God glory through every single step.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's the best way to to summarize that question for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. So how do you remain both humble when things are going really well and also hopeful when things are going really bad in the sport um, in a Christian sense?
1: Oh, I mean, I mean, we kind of talked about the setback, yeah. With, uh, the thirteen fifty six, but I mean, it, truthfully, it is hard when you are in those ruts. It's hard to kind of shake your mind out of it and be like, you know, God, why kind of thing, like you know. And I think the Bible is great because even though you know it's written over the course of thousands of years, it's still relatable to this day. It's timeless. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the story of Job is a great way to kind of summarize the, the pain points of like, you know, God, why kind of thing. Um, but you know, he's still there regardless, even in the good times you can still rely on or sorry, the bad times you can still rely on him. Yeah. Um, and you know, he's never going to abandon you. He's never going to leave you and that, you know, you just need to pray that, you get out of that valley because life there's never a tunnel. Like you're never just stuck completely alone. If you will, there's naturally going to be valleys and Hills mountains, if you will. So when you finally reach that summit, like you said, kind of black and white, you know, are you going to praise him? Are you just going to, you know, kind of put it on yourself, if you will, take the opportunity to praise him. And when you are going through injury, when you aren't, you know, quite achieving what you want to do. I mean, it definitely helps to do some self-reflection of like, okay, how can I better change myself? How can I establish my disciplines both spiritually, physically, mentally to achieve those goals or to get out of the rut? Um, But also, you know, just continue to pray too.
2: Yeah.
1: uh, For, you know, guidance and help in those rough patches, whatever they may be whether it's a physical injury whether it's you know someone else who's causing you heartache and pain um or you know mentally you know something going on you never know yeah people
0: yeah for sure no that's great advice and kind of going off of that just like as kind of like a wrap up question if somebody listening wants to improve their relationship with God through their sport, what advice might you offer them? Like some tangible steps to take to improve your relationship with God?
1: Yeah. I mean, first things first, I think the easiest way, the most important way is just reading your Bible. Like that is, you know, God inspired reading the gospels, especially Jesus's life, if you will. Um, Really kind of honing in, um, you know, why he needed to come here to earth to save us, if you will. Um, but there's other spiritual disciplines that you can practice to kind of further your relationship, not only with God, but the people around you too. Um, try and join a Bible study. If you can, you know, there's tons through all sorts of different churches, all sorts of different groups, um, whether you're in college or, you know, trying to look for a church, I would recommend if you are going to look for a church, find one that's like gospel focused, if you will. Um, sometimes like a preacher will just go off on tangents and it's like, wow, we didn't even open up the Bible once. Like do one that's gospel focused. Yeah. In my
0: opinion. Me too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Along with that, I'd say prayer, you know, pray before bed every night, pray as soon as you wake up in the morning, thank you for, you know, giving me this day because you didn't have to. But I'm blessed to have the opportunity to get up and go to my job, go you know, go out the door, go for a run,
2: yeah.
1: uh, kind of have that perspective of of thankfulness and gratitude, um, worship you know, go to church every Sunday. If there's multiple services, you know, try to go to multiple, meet new people who are like minded with you. And I think once you do have a solid foundation, then you know you should go into serving and stewardship. And potentially even, you know, leading a small group of your own or in ministry, because yeah. um, that's eventually what we're—that's the. I feel like the final step is what we're called to do is, you know, make disciples of all the nations, and so that's the the final step of your faith, if you will. And ministry can look like a lot of different things, or bringing people into faith can look very different for everyone. But it could be just a simple conversation with a friend that you know is a non-believer. Just trying to show them your perspective, yeah. if you will, or inviting them to church, no right. obligation to say, hey, let's go get coffee, grab a bagel and go to church kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, I think those are a few ways that you can um, further your relationship.
0: That's awesome. Those are some really great tangible tips and everything, um, and great advice. So for a fun closing question, what is your favorite book of the Bible and why?
1: Um, I'd say my favorite, besides the Gospels, is James, just because I feel like it's a good litmus test to really see how well you're practicing your faith. Like we mentioned before, like faith without works is dead, which is in James. You know, he kind of goes at the heart of you know who you are, um, and, you know, he talks about all sorts of different things that if you don't even, if you know what is good and you don't do it, that's even a sin not to judge others. Cause you know, God is the ultimate judge. There's so many great verses and passages in that book, um, that I love. And this might be a little like TMI, but I know like, you know how some people have like baby name. let <laughs> <laughs> if <I> you will. <laughs>
0: okay. Love it.
1: James is definitely up there for me. I don't know if it'd be a first name or a middle name, but I love the book of James. It's also a family name. My grandpa's name is James on my mom's side and my great grandpa is James on my dad's side. So
0: oh my gosh. Yeah. wait, that's so funny. That's also on my I like because I love the book of James. So it's on my baby name list. <laughs> it's such a good name. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah,
2: I love mm-hmm. it.
1: Along with James, I love Proverbs as well. That's my dad's uh, favorite book of the Bible, just because there's so much wisdom and just so much yeah, great, tangible advice um, that you can get through that book.
0: That's a great one. That's a great one. Well, today was such a great conversation and you really gave our listeners a lot of good wisdom and advice, just kind of like through your own story and how that has impacted your relationship with God and then great advice on how to improve your relationship with God in that way. Um, And so if people wanted to connect with you, where could they connect with you?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can connect with me on Instagram. That's one spot. Um, My Instagram handle is Jacob Sloan three. I'll
0: link that below. (laughs) <laughs>
1: okay, perfect. You can also shoot me an email uh jake s as in smile l e e at umish.edu. Um yeah, I'd love to connect with you whether you're, you know, just a Christian looking for advice or if you're training for a marathon, if you're an 800 runner in high school and you just want advice on the event or um individualized training, I'd love to help in any capacity I can. Um I guess if we're going to close right now, I also want to do a quick shout out to Kevin Sullivan, my coach at Michigan. He was wonderful. Gave some amazing advice. Um, my coaches in high school, uh, Jesse Anderson, Nathan Lorsch, Sue Larson were great. Uh, Mac Bell Hall as well on the track side. And uh, Jerry Baltas at GVSU. He was a wonderful coach and made my last year of collegiate running just such a great
2: experience. So That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I'm sure everybody is going to take away a lot of wisdom from this. Um, and it was really great to have you.
1: well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to yeah talk about faith and running. And yeah, if we want to talk about dive deeper into other questions or if the listeners have other questions, I'd be happy to hop on another podcast. So
0: yeah, absolutely. Thank you.